The Alpha Sessions with Ron Laver. This is Alpha Sessions. My name's Ron Laver, and with me today is uh, Leo Kelly G. Good afternoon, Leo. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. Um, you're uh, you're a singer songwriter and uh, a multi instrumentalists um tell me a little bit about uh, and i i can see all the gear there behind you you've got a selection of guitars um tell me something about uh, your, your sort of musical journey you know when did you start playing and, and what's the background okay so um i grew up in a reasonably musical household no one played any instruments um, but both my parents are big music lovers um i've had simon and garfunkel sort of Tears of Fears, Peter, Paul and Mary, sort of the, six, the, the 60s and the 80s kind of just burned into my DNA through many car trips and sort of tape cassettes. If you can believe it, you used to the tapes in the car um, back in the I, late 90s. I remember the that, yeah. I remember um, before there were no tapes. <laughs> yes, um, we have, we've got a few records as well, sort of like knocking about as well, but the tapes, tapes were the main thing that we listened to. Um, and that was, uh, and I was always interested, I guess, in music as well, in terms of like if ever, if ever there was a piano or a guitar at someone's house, um, I'd always sort of, be gravitated towards it and want to play and sort of noodle around and just find some way of making something. Um, so that sort of went on for the first 11 years of my life. Um, when I started secondary school, my parents very kindly offered to pay for some piano lessons for me. Um, and so I started uh, taking piano with the wonderful David Sides, who was a, he was a classical pianist, um, but he was a very, very good teacher. Um, and he started teaching me, you know, just various bits of piano. Uh, the issue for me was that um, I, I memorized things before I could learn to read them. Um, and so he'd send me home with a piece to learn. Um, I come back having memorized, it, I could play it for him. And he'd say, oh, are you reading that? I was like, no, no, I've just memorized it. Um, and, and on and on this would go, um, you know, sort of for weeks and weeks and weeks. And there's like four years I had in the end where um, I sort of, he tried desperately to teach me to, um, to read music. And I sort of desperately tried not to learn basically. Um, we had a we had a, a parting of the ways, which I remember really clearly um, when I was about I must have been about fifteen, I think. Um, and I asked him, like, you know, can you give me something that's a bit more that's got some emotion in it, something that I can put some feel into it, by which I meant like a pop song, perhaps. Um, and he gave me a funeral march, <laughs> and so like it's just I th I th at that point it was kind of like with you know two different ideas of emotion were just moving in different directions. Clearly, um, so piano I did for well, I still do now. Um, but I sort of I played it sort of seriously. Uh, I joined a couple of jazz funk bands and things as well. I did a bit of um, sort of blues stuff for for four or five years. Um, sort of throughout until I until sixteen and I, I changed school and then I said I I quit the bands that I was in in the first school and then moved to another school. Um, and then I picked up guitar when I was. 14 we just come it was um i was i used to swim competitively and we went away for a training camp for a week uh, in lignano in italy uh, and when i came back again uh, my dad had just sort of on the on the fly um bought me a guitar um just one of the sort of the you know the cheapy the cheapy argos ones with the like the, the the strings like that far off the fretboard kind of thing and it was a classical guitar um but like i was completely in love with it straight away really um i remember uh because of because I played piano beforehand, my, my, my theory knowledge and sort of the, my knowledge of the chords had sort of had gotten reasonably um, sort of literate, you could say. Um, and so a lot of it to begin with was just translating literally what I could play on piano straight onto guitar, just in terms of strumming chords and things. Um, UltimateGuitar.com is like is, is the best place for a beginning guitarist to go. So just spent hours and hours on UltimateGuitar.com, just picking out tabs and finding chords for all the songs I liked. Um, the first uh, proper song I learned, I'm ashamed to say, was Wonderwall, um, which I'm sure is the same for a lot of people, but um, it's, got, it's become a bit of a meme now. 
and so that sort of um i got into I got big into Oasis, I got into Jason Mraz, Jack Johnson, just people who were sort of contemporaries at the time who were playing sort of around 2009, 2010, learning as much as I could. Um, I started writing on piano first with these sort of horribly cheesy, horribly cheesy sort of love songs that you write when you're sort of 12, 13, um, and continued on to guitar for a couple of years as well. Um, in terms of the writing, it's very, very cheesy songs to begin with. Um, but I always, I'd always, the, the, the songwriting part of it would always been an interesting part to me. I think taking someone's, um, how's the best way to explain it? Songs give you a certain emotion or they do for me, a certain feeling, they capture a certain moment. And um, for me, it was sort of, it was kind of selfish in a way that I wanted to have like an organic way to feel the emotion that another song made me feel. So if, if I heard a song like The Bridge Over Trouble Water, for example, by Simon and Garfunkel, like part of me wanted to, to write a song like that so I could feel the same thing, but sort of in a genuine sense because I'd written it. Um, and so I had a lot of sort of, you know, semi-copying other people's songs and sort of like writing in the style of other people, sort of trying to, trying to find something that I could, you know, cobble together that was, that was mine, basically. Um, and so I wrote my first good song uh, when I was about 15, I think, um, 14, 15, uh, which was called So, which uh, I believe we'll, uh, you'll hear a little bit later, um, which was based off, uh, it was a little bit of um, Lifehouse, uh, which is a band that I was in at the time, and a little bit of, um, who's the other one? Uh, the Google Dolls, but Iris and sort of like, like, you know, taking various chords and sort of strumming together and cobbling it together. Um, and so, yeah, that had been the first sort of, you know, four or five years of my life. Um, I started playing like busking. I started going to pubs and clubs when I was about 16, just playing various covers that I'd gotten into. Um, I really got into uh, Tommy Emmanuel, uh, Andy McKee and John Mayer. They were the three sort of big guys that I really got into when I was sort of 15, 16. The time when you sort of sit down, and, you know, you have... Um, I decided that was kind of what I wanted to do at that point. And so, um, you know, to spend a bit more time sort of playing and practicing, they were the guys I really gravitated towards. Um, and so I started playing their covers, um, sort of moving through originals. Um, and this was in Medway, which is uh, in, in the, oh, it's in Kent, if you know it. Um, but uh, so they call it the rubbish heap at the Garden of England, uh, at the end of the Garden of England. It's a bit of a, an interesting, an interesting place to live. But um, <laughs> But uh, uh, what, what I found was I, was I was really enjoying playing in the pubs and clubs and places, but everyone who was there, they've been there for sort of like 30, 40 years. You know, so all of the open mic nights, they had 50, 60 year old people playing. There was no one who was my age playing the music I was really interested in. No one had heard of Jack Johnson or John Mayer. So I'd play this and I'd go, oh, that was nice. Did you write that? No, no, it was a cover by this person. Who's that? You know, and on and on and on. Um, and then sort of it really took off when I, when I got to university. So I went to the wonderful University College London. Um, uh, in 2014, I started and um, we discovered uh, there, were, there was a live music society there um, and they put on this show, which was called Rhapsody. It was the first first time they've ever done it. Um, and it was basically a live music concert of various arrangements of different numbers and medleys of songs and things. Um, and I was unbelievably fortunate to meet um, uh, some, some people who you know who, who are some of my best friends to this day still now but just the fact that it was it was such a group of amazingly talented musicians in such a concentrated group I think there are only about 20 of us but we played this full concert um and it it gave me an audience as well i suppose it's just more people who are my age who were interested in what i was interested in so even just playing at the open mind that's a university you know you play something and people would recognize that oh yeah that's that song you know and yeah and so i got to meet an audience that was kind of a bit more receptive to what I was doing at university. And that sort of got me writing and sort of doing a bit more, you know, playing and practicing and um, yeah, just, just playing to people that, you know, who were more willing to listen, I suppose. Um, 
fast forward to, so I spent a year in Berlin practicing again, spent most of my time in my bedroom as opposed to studying or seeing the wonderful city of Berlin. I literally played Mike play guitar for a year in Berlin as part of my third year. Um, I graduated in 2018, so two years ago now. Um, and I came straight out into uh, a function band. Oh, sorry, it's a, they, like, they don't like to call it a function band, but um, but truly medley deeply, which is a, it's, it's, it's a wedding and function band. And um, I was very lucky to get, uh, I auditioned for that and got straight in. So straight out of university, I went from studying uh, like two weeks before my exam, played my first gig in April, did my exams. And then I was, I was away doing one gig a weekend, you know, sort of all the way through the summer, you know, and through most of the autumn. Um, I started playing in care homes as well. So I played for people, uh, for dementia care homes, sort of playing sort of all of the old stuff. Lots of Simon and Garfunkel and the Beatles and Johnny Be Good and Chuck Berry and people like that, um, you know. <clears throat> and um, I do a bit of you know as much sort of session work and well, you know, as much as you can do to kind of cobble life together as a musician. Um, bit difficult now with no gigs and no weddings and no anything, um, but that's been my musical journey so far. Sort of fourteen years of history in about ten minutes. There you are. That's excellent. I, the fact that you were playing by ear by then, you know, is uh, is, is quite a testament really i mean is there a musical background in your family um the only one that we know of uh is that my let me get this right i think it's my great great grandmother uh she used to be a pianist in silent theaters mm -hmm. um so back when you had obviously you know, this was the year back in the 1920s mm -hmm. yeah um before they had film scores and anything you'd have a pianist who was sitting there and she would watch you'd be watching the film with the audience and interpreting what was going on and playing music to fit it at the same time um so perhaps there's an ear from music there but, mm. but neither of my parents play any instruments my grandparents don't um on either side uh and my brother doesn't either so i'm the only one for like sort of four generations to, wow. to pick up a guitar and play music but it must have come from somewhere <laughs> you mentioned earlier on the track so i must have been about i think it was 15 or 16 i was in year 10 or 11 and um, i'd very uh, I was very lucky to meet uh, a group of musicians who were two years above. So I think they were in, yes, they would have been in year 13. Um, and they were, they starting a band and they were looking for sort of a guitar player and sort of a backup singer. Um, and that gave me a chance to sort of, to, to play to play with other people. I spent a lot of time sort of playing by myself, you know, even in open mic nights and busking, I was playing by myself a lot of the time, um, you know, and accompanying myself. So to play in a band was really, really exciting, um, you know, especially because they were all older and so much cooler as well. Um, and uh, I wrote so in one evening uh, and I remember, like, I remember while writing it, um, you know, like, like it, it, it coming reasonably quickly. And there was one line in it that I was kind of, nervous about which was um it was so what if i'm under the covers heroes don't get up till noon and i remember thinking like oh is it really pretentious is it too far kind of thing and then like i played it for my dad and my dad was like that's, just, that's that's not bad that one um kind of thing and that was the first time he'd ever been like you know that you know that's a good song kind of thing um that was the first sort of affirmation that i got from my parents that it was sort of a worthwhile um you know thing to be doing and then i remember playing it <clears throat> um to uh, the band that I was in at the time and um, having this feeling that I, I, I like as I was playing it sort of and that's the lyric I was singing the lyrics sort of like I was feeling that they a feeling they were good if that makes sense in, mm. in the like I was I was happy and confident seeing them and sort of not going through like oh like go with me on this bit or kind of like oh this is a bit cheesy but you know forgive me kind of thing I was sort of like, getting the whole through and the whole thing felt really really good to sing um, and so that was and that was kind of yeah the first song that I wrote and that was that was the the spark, I guess, that made me want to keep doing it and sort of keep writing to that kind of 
you know standard at least for me that when I felt the way the way that made me feel I wanted to feel the same way with other songs that sort of excitement like oh you know, even my dad thinks it's good kind of sort of thing you know Tiny things inside my head Each has got its own hypothesis about the other It's not a battleground, it's never been It's just the way that things get done While I hide away a Sunday morning amidst the covers Line up all the corners and I'll straighten out the bends I'll iron out the creases in the curtains It's got to be a monthly thing or else I'm gonna mess it up again I bet you I could tell you that for certain
lovers are not changing anytime soon. So what if I'm just like my brothers or anyone else if that's true? Well, I won't be mistook for another. I'm not changing anytime soon. I'm not changing anytime. Not changing anytime. Not changing anytime soon. The Alpha Sessions with Ron Laver. When I knew I was going to be interviewing, I, I started, you know, obviously catching up on social media and, and watching YouTube videos and things. And I'm thinking, well, uh, you know, I can't categorize this, uh, particularly your YouTube videos. I mean, you, you do a lot of covers online. I, I see a little note in your bio that, um, you know, Lonnie Donegan, Mrs. Mills, George Formby, you'll play all that. Um, which of course you've got to if you're if you're playing in care homes, um, but that you know it's it's just a, you you've just got a real good feel for music. Um, yes, I've been very I've uh, been very fortunate in that um, I've, I've been given uh, it's 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 I don't want to say like it's 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 a gift of you know sort of like having an ear for things, but it's kind of like um, I, I did a lot of work on musical theory as, as a piano player, um, and so after a while i think you just start to be able to hear certain chord changes and mm. certain you know, things in certain keys etc etc so i don't have perfect pitch i have sort of reasonably good relative pitch um for the people at home that means that if i hear a note and then someone and they tell me what the first note is and then they play another one i can work out what it is from the first one whereas perfect pitch is if you get um any note people can just say yeah that's that's an a that's a c that's mm. a d flat etc etc i can't i can't do that unfortunately but um i think the other advantage is just that obviously nowadays with music um a lot of the same harmony is used a lot of the same chords are used there's the, the whole criticism that you know that the 2000s with the same four chord song covered by various different people which harmonically you could you could say is kind of true but at the same time there's yeah, a lot other a lot of other things went on as well in terms of bringing in different influences and different rhythms and different um you know artists and different styles and genres um but yeah i guess like through through playing you know, over the years, I've, I've developed sort of a, a bastardized version of musical theory, I guess, um, which allows me to, um, you know, pick out songs and sort of work out what's um, what's going on in them reasonably quickly. In my time, it was the twelve bar blues that uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I I can play that, but I can't play much else, you know. And if it falls out of that, if it if they throw in a you know a fourth chord, I'm lost. <laughs> but so yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying. But even so, I do think it's a it's a gift to some degree. But obviously, you've worked hard on it as well. So when you're writing, um, you're writing your own material, which you do do, obviously. Um, how do you go about it? Um, so for me, it, it tends to vary quite a lot. Um, for most of the time, it's usually something on guitar first or something instrumental. Um, I like to have some sort of harmonic backdrop before I start working out words and lyrics. Um, I think also uh, having 
night like recognizable or memorable guitar parts is quite important in my own writing um and so if i can stumble upon something that's reasonably you know that has that has some sort of groove to it has a nice melody or something that that people can latch on to um for me that kind of is worth pursuing then as opposed to if 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 i was just say strumming chords in a given rhythm like that doesn't excite me enough to carry on if i write it um so it normally starts on guitar in terms of um the the song and the, the rhythm and the, the the harmony around it and then in terms of the words and the lyrics um they sort of come in dribs and drabs for me um in that uh, i have various sort of lines or i have um i have a list of uh songs on my laptop actually of just like just titles the things that like, would be cool to write a song about um and sort of as as the words and phrases sort of come as i'm you know driving in the car or walking around or anything they just sort of they just come to me whenever um then it's kind of like when i when i get enough of them sort of like in one particular thing it's like oh, okay i can sort of I have, I have enough to sort of write a song and then like oh i have a guitar part over here that i've been noodling around and then sort of i can sometimes marry the two and they go quite nicely together so it's, it's a lot of the time it's kind of it's it's getting a bank of both things of like of, of piano riffs guitar riffs drum riffs etc etc and then a bag of lyrics and then sort of like copying and pasting them together when they feel right doesn't sound then like you're the sort of person that says right songwriting day to day lock myself in a room and i gotta bash out a tune is that is that not for you or do you do that as well um <laughs> it's uh i was i was having a really hilarious conversation to my friend about this um the wonderful jonathan blake uh, who's also an artist uh, if anyone gets a chance check him out on uh, on spotify and all streaming platforms as well um but we were trying to do a bit of collaborative writing and I'd, I'd made up a guitar riff um which i thought was quite nice and he he agreed it was all right as well and um he uh i, I was saying to him that, oh you know i haven't written anything for ages you know like it always takes me ages to sort of sit down and then sort of you know like to, to really in, in terms of the lyric writing um and in terms of getting sort of words to flow together um the rhythm of words is something that's really really important and sort of having um sort of interesting interesting themes interesting topics just, just things that aren't kind of that take a that at least for me they take a bit more sort of thinking and sort of like i'll, I'll come up with a lyric and i'll sort of tweak, tweak it and mold it and rip it apart and put it back together in different ways you know before i'm absolutely happy with it um i, I always like in terms of my lyrics that like if i can sort of without having any words to them sort of i can read them like and they read as, as poetry um in that you know like you can read the rhythm and you can read it and it rhymes as it goes through as opposed to sort of claiming i'm some sort of shakespeare or anything but just like you know if you can read it and you can see where the rhythm and the beats fall as you're reading it um then like for me that's you know then i'm sort of happy to then put it out into the world but um i was but i was saying this um with this with my friend jonathan um we call him jb my friend jb and um i was saying, you know it takes me ages and ages and then that night i sat down and wrote a whole song uh, and that very rarely happens to me but you know so it literally can be you know it can be a line it can be a verse a chorus or i can write a whole song in an evening like it, I, I wish there was uh you know some sort of way of like bottling it or saying you know like i'm going to be really reproductive on this day on friday so i can sit down for three hours and write two songs um but it just doesn't it just doesn't work um unfortunately it is um it is it, it is a craft though i think it's it's one of those like i think a lot of people say that you, you know that you have a gift for songwriting you have a gift for guitar playing or things but it's kind of like it is something that you hone and and after a while you 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 start to work out like okay this is a good lyric this, this is a good idea for a song or i'm just pursuing this because you know, like it's not worth pursuing, et cetera, et cetera. Like I don't want to finish this song because where it ends up, I, I know I'm not going to be happy with it or be comfortable performing it kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it's, def it's definitely a craft that you, you know, that you, that you need to hone as well, I would say.
I understand you've got a, a an album um, that you're putting together at the moment. Yes. So uh, the album is going to be called The Boy Who Will Forever Be. Uh, the first EP that I have on Spotify uh, and Apple Music and absolutely everywhere uh, was called Under a Blue Sky. And that was just a collection of the sort of the four best songs that I'd written by the age of 18. Um, it took it's, us a while to actually record it and release it. Um, including in terms of so. We, yes, including just, so as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they were... Um, so that that was just a collection of four songs. Sort of it, it was, it worked in that the, you know the 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 the, out, the EP fit together and it thematically it sort of went from you know happy to sad to all right to sort of happy again and it did that kind of like um, thing. But because they were sort of randomly selected, they were just written on completely random topics. Um, this time I wanted to have something that was a bit more themed and had a bit more of a focus to it. Um, so the idea of the boy who will forever be was to be sort of a kind of a, a coming of age album and just sort of thinking about. Um, you know, going from being a teenager and sort of having that kind of rosy view of the world that everything's going to be great and, like, oh, I'm going to start out in music and in two years I'll be a pop star, etc. you know, which obviously hasn't happened yet. Um, and, you know, just just the the way your perspective changes, you know, just from the age of, say, 20 to 25, sort of the things you start thinking about in terms of, you know, you start going away from sort of going out and with friends, as you know, to, well, in my case, marriage, um, you know, getting a house and just, um, and just sort of thinking about the various... Um, you know, things that change in terms of the bits that you regret, the bits that you don't regret, like get whether getting older is a good thing, whether it's a bad thing, you know, in some cases it is, in some cases it isn't. Um, and so it was, it was loosely themed around that idea. And so I just wanted to kind of sort of encapsulate that period of my life in, in, in an album, if I could possibly. Um, so it's going to be 12 tracks. So it's a full LP as opposed to an EP. Um, and when we get a chance to get back into the studio and start recording, Thing, and that'll be out hopefully as soon as possible but obviously there's just no knowing when that's going to happen at the moment <laughs> and you've uh, you've done a live track for us uh, london wonder yes yes so london wonder uh that was the one song that i wrote while i was in berlin uh, strangely <laughs> away from london um but uh as i was to, but berlin's a fantastic city it's definitely something that i'd recommend uh, going to anyone who gets a chance um but i remember walking i was uh, I was with my fiance at the time and I was kind of, I was doing the whole, we were doing the whole long distance relationship thing for the whole year. So it'd be sort of six weeks away, one week, one weekend back, six weeks away sort of. And um, one of the weekends that I came back, we came to, um, we came to London. She was at university at Royal Holloway over in Windsor. Um, well, actually in Egham, but close to Windsor, if that's a newer reference point. Um, and we come in, we come into London for a, for a night out. And I remember walking along the South Bank and just sort of um, comparing it to walking along. Uh, it's called the Spree, which is the river, the main river that runs through Berlin. And um, there's just there's something about London that just does that no other city that I've been in just has that kind of magic about in one way or another. Um, you know, you know, for good or you know, for better or for worse, London Wonder was very much about kind of um, you know the the thrill of sort of living in a big city and sort of like the seductive nature of it in places um but also about the way that kind of living in a city how it changes you like i've come from living in uh medway which is like it's a built-up area it's not a small place um no. but like city life is, is very different to to any other kind of life um you know that i've uh, been fortunate enough to live so far um and so it was just about you know sort of the good parts of being in london the bad parts and then sort of just but the fact that no matter what um seems to happen in London. There's always that, you know, there's always the, the South side. There's always, there's always big Ben and there's always these wow factors when you see it. And there's always this allure of living in a city um, that I sort of wanted to capture in the song. 
there's a pot of meat to stain full of the drizzle Like a bristle half extinguished on the asphalt And another pot in love with the lights that set the water alight And it's a matter of fact that there's a pot that knows the city's out the cigarettes You want once in a while until you just can't quite Remember what your life was like without it Trials and might, the hair, the lights, and think you never really took to take two shots of coffee in the morning on the body that begrudges the grudge before the break of day Cause it's a matter of fact that there's a pretty contradiction in this ever change of concrete that permanently stains your ways But every time I leave it behind half of my heart seems to hang on the skyline And I can't seem to sever my soul from the firm of the breeze Is this love or is it just London Try to go back, I know a part of me forever Just another kid to sail up to the sky Lose his way in the clouds Instead of breaking up the buds of the sunshine Maybe it's hope the boy of 17 could dream He'd be the only kid to conquer all the cracks along the pavement Just to wake up with his head to the grindstone at 22 Cause it's a matter of fact that I'm a matchbox in the million Trying to find a little fire just to show the world he's flammable Time, it's all on the line. Cuddle a riptide of rubies and diamonds. Suckered in by the splashes of gold on the shores of the street. Is this love or is it just London wonder? It brings me right back to Sleep wondering why Some nights I wake up at three With my dreams burning holes in my eyes Some nights I fight with my sheets Twisting my way through the night But as sunrise dims the headlights Every time I'm making my mind I know in my heart I could leave if I tried to And I can't think of anywhere else Where it's better to be Is this love The Alpha Sessions with Ron Laver. Could we talk about uh, how it's been for you in um, in lockdown? How, how have you coped? A lot of you know, some people have reveled in it and got loads of things, projects sorted. Other people have just been depressed and not wanted to do anything. What? How, how was it for you? Um, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I 
so when did we go into lockdown it was the end of march wasn't it mm-hmm. um i had my our last wedding that we did for the for the function band was as as we were driving up to lancashire we had the, the announcement on the radio that the uk is going into lockdown um so sort of like as we were driving back i was like okay that's 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 that for a while then um which is sort of my main source of musical income sort of playing function work uh and obviously care homes were, were a no-go as well in terms of um spreading covid and not wanting to kill the entire house that i was playing in um if possible uh and so it's so in terms of music there's there's been very little in terms of like actual musical work um but it's been given it's given me a really nice chance to sort of sit and write and um my youtube channel which uh i'd sort of neglected for four sort of four or five years while i was at university it's given me a chance to sort of start um putting things out there instead um sort of doing i've, I've started doing a one-man band series on youtube where i um i'll record and play every instrument to a given song um and also uh cut the video together so it looks like there are six of me in one room so um sort of playing at once so i've done the sound of silence we've done banana pancakes everybody wants to rule the world by tears for fears um and I did a really, I did a, sorry, a tribute to uh, Sam Lloyd, who was uh, Ted on Scrubs, if you've ever watched Scrubs. Um, he was the lawyer in that, and he very sadly passed away this year um, for a, from a brain tumor. But he had, a, he had an acapella band, and so I did a four-piece acapella thing, just me doing all four bits as well. So in terms of music, it's given me a chance to do a lot more of that stuff, which has been really good fun. Um, and then in terms of work and everything, I'm very, very fortunate in that um, my dad uh, works as a handyman, as a property developer. Um, and I've been doing that sort of on and off since I was about 14, painting, decorating, plastering, electricity, et cetera, et cetera, gardening. Um, and so I've just been taking as much of that as possible, really, um, in order to keep things going. I'm actually getting married in October. And so we've been trying to sort of save some money together. And this year was going to be absolutely fantastic because I'm going to have a big summer of work and it's going to be great. And all the money was going to be there. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've, we've, we've made ends meet and it's been fine. So, so I've, I've been one of the lucky ones, I'd say. Um, very lucky indeed. I must have you you mentioned the one band one man band um things you did on on YouTube and it, I think it was a Jack Johnson cover uh um banana pancakes and I watched it and it it was one of the first of yours you know it was the first one man band of yours I'd seen and uh I thought it was a group in my defense in my defence, I was watching it on uh, on on the uh, um, Facebook channel, and the definition wasn't great. But it it took me a little while, you know. I thought, oh, that's good. There's a guy playing. Oh, and then someone else has just walked. I mean, it was cut excellently. I mean, the point I'm making is, it wasn't. You know, it was excellently cut because nowhere along the line did I realise that it was you just until. I think towards the end of the song, I started looking. Then I went to the YouTube version, which was in better definition. And then I could see it was the same face in all of them. But, uh, you know, it's excellent. And you've, as you say, yes, you've done, a, you've done quite a few of those, haven't you? The other thing that you mentioned there that, that also I noticed was you, you did a, uh, um, you were playing, I think it's your, what you've called your, your first, first ever, um, a live performance of one of your own songs on YouTube, Breakaway. Yes. I, I yes. think, I think um, you, you sort of said, I'm just trying this with the wedding ring on to see how it plays on my guitar. I thought that was a subtle way of you sort of saying, I'm getting married. <laughs> Which of course you, you obviously are. So when, when's the wedding now then? Oh, so it's, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. 
Yeah, uh, well, the, we're in a bit of an interesting situation at the moment. Uh, the actual, the, the, the big wedding that we planned uh, sort of October last year was set to be the 21st of December this year. Um, and it's going to be in the Winters Barns in Canterbury, which is an absolutely wonderful venue uh, that we absolutely fell in love with when we saw it the first time. Um, they've said, obviously, with the new regulations, you can't have more than 30 people. And they're, they're, you know, they're changing it all the time in terms of you can have food, you can't have food, you can have live music, you can't have live music. And it's kind of it's moving around. Um, and so we've decided that we're most likely going to postpone it to a later date. The issue is that because obviously everyone else is having the same bright idea that we'll probably postpone for X, Y, Z reasons. Um, the venue has said that we can't um, postpone until three months uh, before the wedding. So until the 21st of September, we don't get the window to then choose another date. Um, and so we basically just got to wait until then. Um, by which time sort of you know the same date next year may have been used up it may be gone so we're sort of in a bit of a tricky situation in terms of that um and sort of loads of people have been asking about booking accommodation we're sort of like we can't say for definite yes or no yet um so that's a bit up in the air but then um we've rescheduled or we've scheduled uh, a smaller ceremony uh on the 17th of october um where it should just be close sort of friends and family um so that we can actually be married um because obviously we've been um we don't my, my fiance and i we don't live together either unfortunately right. and so in terms of lockdown we um for the first eight weeks we couldn't see each other either um which was a you know a nightmare as well and so we were sort of thinking at least if we can be married if we go into lockdown again then we'll be together as opposed to having yeah. to separate and socially distance and do all of that um which was a bit of a, a bit of a faff uh, to put it lightly i think one more question for you before we we go it's something we like to ask everybody um forgetting covid and everything for the moment i know you can't but it would be nice to um phone rings and it's a promoter uh it's uh, wants you to do a gig and you can pick any venue in the world what would you think you'd uh, you'd go for oh gosh that's a good good, good question um it's kind of it's uh it's it's just, it's a tricky question in that I think um you know as a as an artist I have I have a five piece band um which is uh John, so uh, just the name Johnny Chung Bethany Graves Alex Marshall and Charlie Zhu um all fantastic musicians um but as a five piece band sort of like we've played like, I almost feel like I haven't even thought about sort of the really really big venues to play and if it would be cool to play sort of you know like red rocks in america or like the o2 or wembley stadium or something like that um but a gig as a as an indie artist at the moment that i'd really really love to play would be something like the camden assembly um you know which is sort of a 300 capacity venue mm -hmm. and just to have even that many people sort of like you know a packed out venue and playing my songs and seeing people singing the words back because there are a lot of words inside my songs as well so if, you know <laughs> if, if you get to the point where someone can sing them all back to you you know you're obviously doing quite well for yourself um but yeah the camden assembly or something like that would be absolutely fantastic to play um if we get the chance and and if you got to get uh, an artist you could pick any artists in the world to uh, um collaborate with you not just be on the bill but perhaps uh, sing with and you know who who do you think you'd go for oh my god so many um in terms of so, so my, my, my real my real idol growing up was John Mayer. Um, I discovered him when I was about 14 um, and he was sort of the first person, the first um, male aside from, you know, my dad that I kind of sort of like, I want to be like this um, kind of thing. And it was literally like, you know, everything about him was I want to be like this sort of person. So to, to do to be able to meet him and play on stage with him would be absolutely fantastic. Um, but in terms of songwriting, um, if I ever had the chance to even 
get close to playing with Paul Simon, um, that would that would be an absolutely unbelievable experience. That would be, you know, one off the bucket list to say that I've, I've, I've played, I've even stood on the same stage as Paul Simon, um, let alone play, it would be absolutely fantastic. Okay, well, we're, you know, we'll see what we can do about that. I must say too, <laughs> I must say too, you're very generous about your father. Um, I've never heard my son say he ever wanted to be like me. But <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's he's a very brilliant man. Um, one of the smartest people I've I've ever had the fortune of meeting. Oh, that's um, nice. So, uh, credit credit where credit's due. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's nice. Okay, well, um, just before we go, have you first of all have you got any um, gigs lined up uh, potentially? I know it's difficult at this sort of point, even to be able to say yes, I've got a gig, but will it go ahead? But anything planned in that direction? Um, so yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, in terms of uh, you can book a gig, but then like in terms of the changing government regulations, there's um, there's no way of knowing what's going to happen. But as it stands, uh, we do have a gig. Uh, it's on the 13th of November at the Rocksteady in Dalston. Um, it'll be my full band, um, so all five of us playing uh, some hopefully some well some new material as well as some of the classic stuff off the Under a Blue Sky EP, um, which is out at the moment. Um, and yeah, if you guys enjoy sort of a mix of John Mayer, Paul Simon, Tommy Emmanuel and various other influences, uh, feel free to come along and watch the, the melting pot on stage. Yes, and you, you mentioned there the your original uh, EP and uh, is, is still available on uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify and, and quite a few other services, I expect. Um, and uh, if people want to find out more about you, uh where can where can they go what's your uh what's your social media platforms are you on um so i've been quite fortunate to have a surname that nobody else seems to have except the four, my, my four family members in the whole world um so it's kelly as in um as in kelly with a hyphen g-e-e -E, leo kelly g um and if you stick that into google you'll find most places but it's instagram at leo kelly g without a hyphen Twitter is at Leo Kelly G without a hyphen. Facebook is Leo Kelly G Music, again, without a hyphen. Uh, and then YouTube is Leo Kelly G Music as well. So it's very, very easy to find. Um, if you can spell Kelly G, then uh, well, one of us will pop up and hopefully with any luck, it'll be me. Okay, well, thanks, Leo. Thanks for, for sparing some time for us today. And uh, maybe when all this is over and, and perhaps when your new album uh, is, is finished and ready to hit the, uh, hit the streets, you'll maybe come in and see us in our, uh, in our studio in, uh, in Stanmore. That would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. And thank you so much for, um, for, for sparing the time to interview me as well. I really, really appreciate it. There's no problem at all. Uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. I look forward to it. Turn around, you can't sleep because you're telling your 
friends that you're perfectly lonely Your head thinks excuses that you're crying when you realize The truth is never ever gonna be such a thing It's perfectly lonely You're perfectly lonely Your head thinks Excuses stop you crying when you realize The truth is never ever gonna be such A thing as perfectly lonely Lots of head down Sit up, turn around Lots of head down Turn 